0: And welcome to the first of a brand new series of CSF podcasts focusing specifically on axial spondyloarthritis. We'll, bring in, we'll be bringing our new episodes on a bi monthly basis. And we'll also be supplying you with monthly slide decks to help you keep updated with the latest research and publications in the field of EXPA. First of all, allow me to, to introduce myself and my co host. I'm Sophia Ramiro from Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands. And today, I'm joined by Hideto Kameda from Toho University in Japan. Hideto and I are new members of the CSF steering committee, and we're really excited by joining, uh, to be joining the wider CSF steering committee. If you want to find more about us, our bios have been added to the website. So you can head over to the cytokinesignaling.com and take a look.
1: Thank you, Sophia. The papers we'll be covering today both discuss structural changes as determined by MRI imaging and both by Professor Walter Vaksimovic. Our first paper looks at the impact of Ixacizumab on asas response in patients with radiographic expert after 16 weeks of treatment, while our second looks at the changes in total erosion, total backfill, total fat metaplasia, and total ankylosis scores in sacroiliac joint after 12 weeks of filgotinib treatment.
0: So, over to our first paper entitled Isikizumab in radiographic axial spondyloarthritis with and without elevated C-reactive protein or positive magne- magnetic resonance imaging. As you know in patients with radiographic uh, actual SPA, when they have persistently high active disease and insufficient response to NSAIDs, they are treated with targeted uh, biologic uh, interventions, uh, for example, TNF inhibitors and IL-17 inhibitors. And nowadays, these can also be expanded to targeted synthetic DMARTs like uh, JEC inhibitors, which are also uh, approved uh, for the indication and have shown efficacy. Patients' response to treatment has been shown to be influenced by elevated CRP levels and evidence of uh, inflammation on MRI of the SI joints. So the aim of this study was to evaluate responses for izikizumab at week 16 in patients with radiographic actual SPA by evaluating CRP and spinal and and SIJ MRI uh, for inflammation. Data was used from two randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trials, the Phase three trials uh, with ezikizumab coast v and coast w in which patients were biologic naïve in the coast v and previously treated with one or two TNF inhibitors in COST-W. All patients had the diagnosis of radiographic actual SPA, fulfilling uh, classification criteria as classification criteria, and patients had active disease, as defined by a vasoday of at least four, and spinal pain of at least four. Patients were randomized to receive uh, 80 milligrams of izikizumab every two weeks, or 80 milligrams of izikizumab every four weeks, or placebo, or another arm that was an active reference with 40 milligrams of adalimumab every two weeks, in, uh, this only in the COS-V, so in the biologic naive patients. At week 16, so the, the timing of the primary endpoint, uh, patients that were already receiving uh, izikizumab continue assigned to it, and patients that received placebo or adalimumab were randomized one-to-one to izikizumab every two weeks or izikizumab every four weeks through week 52. And the key endpoint was uh, as 40 and we will look at it stratified by the presence of uh, positive or negative baseline CRP and positive or negative uh, baseline MRI of the spine and the sacroiliac joints in which the spark was used and stratified by a cutoff of of two. And when we look at the the individual results, so uh, more than 500 patients were included, almost 600 in both trials. And when we look at the results stratified by CRP, so we see a higher numerically, uh, a numerically higher response in patients uh, with izikizumab compared to placebo, both in lower and higher uh, CRP groups. Whereas in the patient in the groups with, in the group with the positive uh, CRP, there is a statistically significant difference between the izikizumab arms and placebo. Also, a statistically significant difference between the adalimumab uh, arm in COST-V and placebo. So, this was similar in both trials. And when both trials were pulled, so a higher number of patients uh, was included in the analysis, and then also in the group with a negative CRP, there was a statistically significant difference between the arms of izikizumab and, uh, and placebo. So, actually, we see a a higher response uh, with izikizumab compared to placebo, both in groups with negative and with positive uh, CRP. Then later, the authors also looked at the predictive value of the CRP when in a logistic regression, and there, it did not seem to be predictive of response of an ASOS 40. Then moving down to MRI, and looking at MRI of the SI joints, which could only be performed in, in coast v we see a statistically significant different response, uh, so higher response in both izikizumab arms compared to uh, placebo in both groups with a negative MRI and with positive inflammation on the MRI as assessed with a spark score of at least two. The same was obtained when uh, MRI of the spine was analyzed in uh, Coast V, not in Coast W, and Coast W is the, what, the trial that included patients that had already failed uh, TNF inhibitor. So in, and when the, the, the authors looked at the predictive uh, response of MRI, this was predictive in Coast V. so in, in patients who were naive to biologics, MR, both MRI of the SI joint and of the spine, Were predictive of a response. So interestingly, we see here that izakizumab works in both groups in patients that have signs of inflammation and patients that do not have signs of inflammation as measured by positive CRP and inflammation mainly in the SI joints and also assessed inflammation in the MRI of the spine. Uh, We see numerically higher responses in patients that have positive signs of inflammation this is in line with what we had seen before, also with uh, studies from TNF inhibitors. Surprisingly here, we do not see CRP as a real predictor of a response. And we also see positive response or response, higher response in izikizumab, even in patients with a negative uh, CRP. So there are here some uh, important findings that are different to what we had seen before with TNF inhibitors. Maybe there is a different uh, work mode of uh, working uh, of them. IL-17 inhibitor, it would be interesting to co- also confirm these results with an, IL, an another IL-17 inhibitor to understand whether these are compound specific or whether these are specificities of these trials that were also more recently conducted. Um, I don't know whether you would like to add something on this, uh, Hidet. what's your view on this?
1: Ok, thank you. Uh, this study is a predominantly subjective answers for the response versus objective baseline CRP or MRI was examined. Then, how about the correlation between subjective response such as ASAS-40 and objective response such as MRI improvement?
0: Yes, definitely. I think that's a very important point that you're mentioning.
1: Yes, and a little bit higher response of ASAS-40 you know, when based on the Objective signs or symptoms, so higher CLP or higher MRI inflammation, yeah. right?
0: Exactly and with what we are used to seeing, and and therefore yeah. we also try. We mainly recommend treating patients that have active disease and that have one of the those uh, components of uh, inflammation objective.
1: Yeah, but still the patient with. Less CRP or less MRI inflammation showed a good response to exakism, that's very important information for us. One limitation may be MRI inflammation was not assessed by SPARC scoring system as described in the paper, right?
0: inflammation was assessed by the by the spark uh, and then it was stratified according to the cutoff of 2 which is usually the cutoff uh, defined to define the absence or presence of inflammation the the issue i think with limitations is that only in the coast v were mri of the sacroiliac joints and assessed and not in coast w so the pulled, they could not pull uh, data from both trials stratified by mri of the sacroiliac joints and when we look at the MRI of the spine, there is no, not such a clear difference, especially in, in 2 V between both groups. And I think this also uh, is in line with what we know that MRI of the sacroiliac joints are really most important when looking at the presence of objective in information.
1: Okay, thank you, Sophia. So now we can move on. Mm-hmm. Our second paper is impact of filogotinib on sacroiliac joint magnetic response imaging structural regions at 12 weeks in patients with active ankylosing spondylitis, tortuga trial. As a study background, in the phase two TOTUGA trial, ferugotinib reduced disease activity, improved symptoms, and reduced spine and SI joint inflammation in patients with active AXPA. The aim of this follow-up to TOTUGA was to assess the effect of filgotinib on MRI measures of structural change in the SI joint in patients with active ACSPA, and inadequate response or intolerance to at least two NSAIDs. As a methods, patients more than 100 were randomized one-to-one to filgotinib 200 mg or placebo, both QD for 12 weeks. The MRI scans of the SI joint were analyzed for erosion, backfill, fat metaplasia, and ankylosis using SPARC Sacroiliac Joint Structure Score SSS at baseline at, at week 12. Its endpoint was changed from baseline in SPARC SSS total erosion to the backfill to the fat metaplasia and total ankylosis scores at week 12, and proportion of patients with a decrease, increase, or no change in structural region score, including erosion, backfill, ankylosis, and fat metaplasia at week 12, according to baseline SPARC edema, and correlation between changes in structural regions and the clinical parameters number of patients with erosion who developed backfill at week 12. Then, I'm going to present the results. MRI scans from 87 patients, 48-filgotinib and 39-placebo were evaluated. At baseline, there were no notable differences between filgotinib and placebo for any MRI structure region types. From baseline to week 12, filgotinib was associated with a significant reduction in SI joint erosion score and an increase in backfill score versus versus placebo. But no significant differences were observed for ankylosis or fat metaplasia. In the subgroup of patients with a SPARC, BOMAROSTATIS score, at least two at baseline, ferigotinib group, backfill increased in 36.4% of patients and decreased in 4.5% of patients. In placebo group, backfill did not increase in any patient, but decreased in 13.6% of patients. And treatment differences for erosion, ankylosis, and fat metaplasia were not significant. And there were no significant differences for any of the structural regions in the subgroup of patients with a SPARC BMO score less than two at baseline. At week 12, the change in SPARC MRI SI joint inflammation scores correlated positively with erosion scores, but negatively with SPARC field scores. Finally, no significant correlations were observed between erosion or backfield scores, one kilosis or fat region scores with any of the clinical endpoints assessed. As a conclusion, the significant changes in MRI structural regions in the SI joint by week 12 showed that tissue repair process is induced soon after initiating treatment with filgotinib. This could have prognostic implications for development of ankylosing. So thank you. Sophia, do you have any comments?
0: Uh, yes, certainly. So I think it's very good to see, uh, well, uh, a, a Jack inhibitor uh, with demonstrated effect on structural damage as measured by MRI. As mm-hmm. you know, in the field, we are still having some discussions on what is the best way to measure structural damage progression, and it methodologically is a challenge how to measure it specifically in actual SPA because it's a slow progression. Traditionally, we have been focusing on actual uh, damage of the spine and using radiographs, but that takes a lot of time before we can really uh, see damage and therefore look at the effect of an intervention on it. So we are seeing more research moving it forward to MRI in which in an earlier phases can detect uh, changes. I think it's very positive to see that treatment can have an effect on those changes. I think in the next to month and years, we will see more research coming to show, confirm hopefully to us that the MRI and these changes that we are seeing demonstrated on MRI really have are valid in terms of when seeing them later in in, in radiographs. If that's the case, then we can confidently use MRI as a sign of uh, structural damage and in early in trials and therefore demonstrate effect modification, which has been, as I mentioned, a struggle in actual SPA. So I think these this findings are very positive and very important uh, in the field to have this type of uh, uh, research. And I think also good for our, uh, our audience to know about this, that treatment can really have an impact on uh, structural damage in actual SPA, which is very important.
1: Okay, thank you for your comments. Yes, previous MBOC studies showed some similar results. And in this study, very early structural changes were confirmed. Then my question is, I wonder backfill is a good process or bad process? So how do you think about that?
0: Yes, I think that's also an, on, an ongoing discussion. Uh, we obviously want to avoid. Uh, uh, actually, it all starts with inflammation. We want to, to avoid inflammation, and later we want to avoid uh, damage resulting uh, from from inflammation, so it's better to not leave the process uh, move so far, of course, and uh, hopefully withhold it in an earlier phase. I would say that the uh, precise, exact meaning of, of backfill is still under discussion in the field, and it's difficult to to be able to at the moment give you a a a, 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 a definitive answer on that.
1: Thank you. And correlations between SPARK sss and clinical assessments were not described in this paper, although they were indicated in the methods section. So I'm looking forward to seeing those results in the future paper. Okay, thank you, Sophia.
0: Okay, thank you very much. And thank you all for joining us in, for this inaugural EXPA podcast brought to you by the CSF. We really hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you want to read more about what we've discussed today, head over to the and where you will find detailed summary slides of each of the papers. See you next time.
1: See you. (laughs)